For a Tuesday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, we broke down the offense yesterday. It's time to talk about the defensive side of the football for the Sun Devils and our overall confidence levels for it heading into the 2022 season. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw, and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you would like to check us out on a visual platform. But wherever you get your podcast, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button and turn on notifications so that you get an update whenever we put out a new podcast, which as of right now, it's Monday through Friday, but we will be heading into an off-season schedule soon where we will be here three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But don't worry about not getting enough podcasts because you can always follow me on Twitter at RichieBrads36. You can follow the podcast too at LO underscore Sun Levels and stay in touch with everything that's going on with Arizona State during the off-season. As it is going to be a long period of time, we still have a little more than two months, but a little less than three months until we get to Arizona State's first game of the season against NAU. Remember that this podcast covers pretty much everything Arizona State, football, basketball, and a little bit of everything in between. Let's go ahead and hop into today's topic of conversation. Like I mentioned at the top of the show yesterday, we had broken down the offensive side of the football and our overall confidence level at each position. Today, we're going to be doing that for the defense. We're going to be looking at the defensive line in the first segment, the linebackers in the second segment, and the secondary in the third segment, piece by piece by piece. So let's go ahead and start off with the defensive line, which could have been a strength of the team. But unfortunately, you do lose Jermaine Lole to the transfer portal off to the University of Louisville, he goes. With his departure, you still have a couple guys that could be in store for really nice seasons, but overall, it, it's definitely going to be a retooling year for the team. The good news is you have two of your top three sack leaders returning from a year ago and three of your top five sack leaders coming back, those players being BJ Green, who did lead you, in sacks with five, Anthony Cooper with three and a half, and Omar Norman Lott with two. Each of those guys totaled uh, three and a half or more tackles for loss. Now, BJ Green was a, a five sack guy, but he only had eight tackles on the year because he was put in a limited role. He is going to be put into a starting role. Anthony Cooper and Omar Norman Lott going to be very important rotational pieces. Per rlands.com, who is projecting who is projecting the starting lineup here. Uh, left to right, they have Michael Mattis as the left defensive end. BJ Green is the defensive tackle. Jade uh, Nessa, J oh my goodness. Uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, there we go. Good goodness gracious. Nesta Jade Silvera as the nose tackle and Trevez Moore as the starting right defensive end. The depth pieces include Anthony Cooper, Stanley Lambert, Omar Norman Lott, Robbie Harrison, uh, Tatala Pesafia, 
uh, Joe Moore and Garin Stansbury. I don't hate this. Even with the loss of Lole, I think you have a lot of very interesting depth here. Now, it really starts at the top with BJ Green, your leading sack artist from a year ago. You're hoping that he's ready to take that next step as a full-time starter for the team. I think that he could be in store for a very, very productive year. Going into his true sophomore year, he's a six-foot, 260-pound defensive tackle. I think he's someone that you could get a little creative with and kind of flex him around a very interesting defensive front. But I do really think that he's got big-time potential to be a big-time sack leader for the team. It's not a coincidence that he led the team a year ago. He had a really, really nice breakout game against Wisconsin where he just, against a good Wisconsin offensive line, he was able to generate the most consistent and dominant pressure from the defensive front for Arizona State and was one of the reasons why they made it as close a game as it was. So B.J. Green, very, very excited for him. I continue to be a very big believer in Omar Norman Lott as well. I feel like he, after you know uh, withdrawing his name from the transfer portal, is going to be in store for another year where I believe he's going to have a lot of opportunities to get onto the field, regardless of the fact that they're projecting him to be the second string right now. I think he's a guy that you're going to rotate in a lot. I think that Norman Lott definitely proved that he can get on the field and be productive. Now, the one thing from him is, unfortunately, you did have some uh, knucklehead penalties, which, which isn't the right way to word it because it's not like personal fouls. It was just, you know, bad, bad encroachments and not, uh, offsides and stuff like that, where he just gets a little excited and a little too jumpy. But those are very easy to correct. So you get that on track. And I think Omar Norman Lott is definitely a guy that I anticipate to also have a big role this year. Now, I continue to be someone who is pounding the drums for Trevez more because if he can find a way to stay healthy, I think this is perhaps your most talented player on the defensive line. It's just unfortunate. He, he only played three games for you last year before he got injured. In his career, he's played six games, and he's going into his uh, redshirt senior season now. So you're really hoping that Trevez can find a way to stay on the field because if he's on the field, I mean, he's built like your, like your standard pass rusher on the edge, six foot three, 245 pounds. He's got great uh, speed to power conversion and somebody who can really prove himself to be perhaps your best edge rusher in terms of pure pass rushing production. So I'm hoping that Trevez can find a way to stay on the field. I think he's the biggest X factor there. Because I am anticipating that B.J. Green takes the next step. I am anticipating that Omar Norman Lott takes that next step. I'm anticipating the, that the depth looks good. You know, Nesta Jade Silvera, I think, could find himself a big role. I talked the other day about Robbie Harrison, who I think could be like a sneaky, productive guy for the team. Anthony Cooper finished with three and a half sacks a year ago. Uh, Tutala Pesafia also is going to find himself in a very big role. Michael Mattis going to find himself in a big role. I like the depth that you have here, and I like the upside of some of the guys at the top, especially a BJ Green and even more so a Trevez Moore. I think that if Trevez can find a way to stay on the field, that he perhaps could be your best defensive player in the, in the entirety of the unit. I think he is that kind of a high upside kind of guy. He's a hot motor, motor. Uh, 
again, the, the speed, to, speed to power and the power to speed conversion that he has, terrific. He's got that perfect blend. He's got good bend. I think he's a good pass rusher. I think that he's got that upside to at least flirt with an NFL future. Like, I think he's better than Tyler Johnson. And Tyler Johnson signed on with my Baltimore Ravens as an undrafted free agent to, you know, have that opportunity to make an NFL roster. So I feel like Trevez Moore could be better than Tyler Johnson was. And I'm really hoping that that's the case. But first, he's got to stay on the field. Now, outside of those guys that we mentioned, Michael Mattis is returning in what we're expecting to probably be a bigger role uh, than he's seen in previous years. He did find himself on the field quite a bit. Career high, 28 tackles a year ago, five and a half tackles for loss, notched a half sack as well. I think that Michael Mattis is going to be one of the more relied upon veterans on the team going into his redshirt senior season, especially with the loss of Lole. I think that Mattis is going to be one of the more relied upon veteran players. Anthony Cooper, I also expect to have a larger role for, with the team. Again, he's coming off a three and a half sack season, uh, wrapped up 30 tackles and five TFLs as well a year ago, which was all career best for him going into his redshirt junior season. So the good news with him is you still have him for at least one more year. There's a, there's a, there's a really, really good blend here of veterans, but also depth, which Obviously, that's not the biggest deal in the world when we're talking specifically for 2022. But I do like that you have a good amount of versatility on that defensive line between older and more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, experienced kind of guys. But you also have these younger, high upside players. So between BJ Green and Trevez Moore, I think you got a lot of upside there. I think Nesta Jade Silvera could be in for a really important role as well. Uh, depending on how much playing time he gets. But I think that he could find himself in a starting role for the team. I like Omar Norman Lott a lot. I think that the depth you have to rotate guys like Michael Mattis, Anthony Cooper, uh, Tatala Pesifia. I, I still like Robbie Harrison as a, as a true freshman for the team. I think that this defensive line could be a very good strength of the team, which is why I'm actually... Uh, I'm going to be generous today. I'm going to go a B minus for, for this front. I think that this is absolutely the strength of the defense. It definitely was when Jermaine Lole was there. And I think even without Lole, this could still be the strength of the team. I think that there is enough talent there and certainly enough upside to justify that. In a worst case scenario, this is a very strong C plus team. But I am feeling generous today. I am going to go ahead and go with a, uh, a B- minus for this defensive line. Let's go ahead and hop into our first break. When we return, we're going to go ahead and break down the linebacker position for the Arizona State Sun Devils. This, of course, being the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you guys so much for making the Locked On Sunnels your first listen every day. Make sure that you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. 
the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hopping right back into our conversation now, talking about the defensive line. First, we're going to go ahead and talk about the linebackers next, which is also, I think, a really good strength of the team, at least at the top. Now, the big guys that you have returning, obviously, are Kyle Soley and Merlin Robertson, both guys who a year ago were near the top of your team in terms of tackles, Soley finishing first on the team with 88, and Robertson finishing with 64, good enough for third on the team. Now, Soley was a guy who frustrated the heck out of me, but he was a highly productive player, obviously leading the team in tackles, but he also found himself racking up eight TFLs a sack, and an interception. The dude has the ability to make plays uh, behind the line of scrimmage. I think that there is an okay amount of coverage skills. I definitely think that that's probably the weakness of his game personally, but I also think that he might be your most consistent linebacker right now. Uh, Looking at Robertson, he's one of those guys that, you know, we've talked about this time and time before about how he he looked like a very special talent as a freshman. That freshman year, I mean, just flying across the board, 77 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss. He racked up five sacks and an interception. He was just productive across the board. And he just never took that next step in terms of going from a really good freshman linebacker to like this pro prospect kind of guy that we anticipated he could become. And I think this is going to be the year where he needs to really prove himself as a guy who can take that next step and become this, this high upside and really strong leader of the defense. I think this is going to be his year where he could potentially figure it out. And you're going to be hoping for that because beyond those two is a lot of uncertainty. You do have Connor Soley who flashed when he was on the field quite a bit uh, on the year in seven games, managed 16 tackles, one tackle for loss. I think that he's going to be in for a very big role for the team. Uh, Per our lads, you have Caleb McLaughlin, Jaden Williams, and Will Schaefer as your other linebackers on the team. Now, beyond Robertson and Merlin Robert, or uh, Robertson and Soli, excuse me, who are both uh, seniors, uh, grad seniors too, you, you have a lot of youth. Connor Soley, a redshirt junior, but McLaughlin, a redshirt sophomore, Jaden Williams, a redshirt freshman, and Will Schaefer, a redshirt sophomore. These are guys who didn't get on the field as much, if at all, last year. I think that if you did not have Robertson and Soley, both of them, if you, if you only had one, I would. I don't know how confident I would be. You have both, though, which gives me a little bit more... I, I don't want to beat confidence. You know, I don't want to feed a fed horse with that term, but I do have that. You know, I have a little more confidence because you are returning those guys. If you weren't, this is definitely a concern. Or at least if you had Gentry, Eric Gentry, the transfer to USC, if he had stayed with the program, I would take back what I said about the defensive line and plug it into here. This would be the strength of the team and a considerable strength. That would have been a B plus for me, at least, if not flirting with that A minus grade. But Gentry's not there. And unfortunately, you also lost Darian Butler. So you're having to do a lot of retooling on the fly. You, by by the grace 
of everything ever. <laughs> you you thankfully have Robertson and Sully coming back. And because of that, you are going to have consistency and reliability at the linebacker spot, which is going to be very, very important for a very young group in the front seven. We looked at that defensive line, which has a good combination of veteran leadership, but also young talent. But the linebacking core is entirely young talent. Outside of the Soli brothers, I mean, everybody's a redshirt sophomore or younger. So you definitely needed those guys to be coming back in order to build the confidence that they could be ready to take those next steps. Because looking beyond them, I don't know that any of them even recorded statistics last year. Will Schaefer had three tackles on the air, and that's about all I can find. And, you know, you you got these guys who you're hoping can find their way out of the football field this year. Maybe not in large roles, because you really, really need Soli and Robertson to just completely take charge of that front seven. But you really want to see these guys be able to find themselves onto the field and prove themselves to be valuable contributors. So looking overall, if you did not have Robertson and Sully, this is definitely a D team or a position, I should say. If you had one of them, probably a D plus. You have both of them though, and you have a little bit of upside. I'm going to give it a C, a flat C. And it's simply because you have two reliable pieces that are proven and have been highly productive for your team for the last few seasons. Because you have those guys coming back, I at least have, you know, a little bit, again, saying the same term over and over again. I, I dislike it as much as you guys do. But at least you're providing some confidence for the new for the new defense. Remember, you got a new defensive coordinator coming in. So you definitely needed those two to come back. You have those two coming back. I give you a C. I, I give you a C. I gave you a, a what I say? I think I said a B or B plus for the defensive line. I should probably keep track of that. Neither here nor there. We're going to go ahead and hop into our final break. When we return, we're going to go ahead and talk about the secondary and the confidence level that I have for them in the 2022 season. This is the Locked on Sunnibals podcast. And one more time, thank you guys so much for making Locked On Sun Levels your first listen every day. Make your second listen to Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Lee Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, latest player rankings, as well as big boards. Follow the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast every day in the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Hopping back into our conversation now, and this time looking at the secondary upside. It's all upside. There is so much inexperience coming back. Your most experienced player who's returning is Jordan Clark, who was your nickel corner a year ago and will retain that role as the nickel corner. Uh, 21 tackles, one interception last year, broke up two passes. I I really, really like uh, Jordan Clark. I think that he's going to be one of your best players on the defense. He's certainly going to be in for a very large role this year. He's your most experienced defensive back, let alone corner, who's returning. Looking at the rest, uh, you have the Markham brothers, Keon and 
uh, Kawan. Kawan going to be looking at opportunities at the safety position and Keon getting experience uh, on the boundary. Tamarcus Davis, also another guy who's going to get some time. You have two brand new safeties coming in in the forms of Corey Bethley, who everyone knows how high I am on Corey Bethley coming from Hawaii, and Chris Edmonds coming from Sanford. And Edmonds, I, I, I want to start a bigger dialogue with Edmonds. He is also a ball player, like just able to fly around the field and record the 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 ever important turnover uh, statistics. In his three years at Sanford, had eight interceptions and forced two fumbles. I mean, this wasn't a guy who was flying around the field recording tackles. Now, I don't know if Sanford doesn't record those statistics or if he seriously was just a playmaker for the team. Because from what I can see on the on the ESPN site for his statistics, he had a whopping nine tackles in three years, including a 2020 season where he didn't have any tackles. But in that season, he had four picks for 90 yards and a touchdown and forced two fumbles. So, I mean, th- this, this is definitely a guy who's a playmaker. And so was Corey Bethley. Remember, Bethley was a guy who's coming off a 99 tackle and five interception season. Both of these guys have the ability to be ball hawks in the secondary. I think that Bethley is just outstanding. I think that you make an argument that right now Bethley is the best defensive player on the roster. He's certainly up there with BJ Green and with Merlin Robertson and Kyle Sully. I think that kind of rounds out your top four and then put Jordan uh, Jordan Clark in your fifth. I think that Bethley is going to be absolutely pivotal for this defense this year. The success of the secondary at a minimum is going to be dependent on the play of Corey Bethley, who is hopefully going to mask some of the inexperience that you have at the cornerback spot. I like the Markham brothers. I think that they're definitely in for a big season to prove themselves. I think Tamarcus Davis is going to find himself in a like surprisingly large role for the team. He's coming off a year where he recorded 31 tackles intercepted a pass, broke up too. I think that this is definitely a guy who Arizona State is going to be relying heavily upon, and he is likely going to be thrust into a starting role across from Keon. Behind them, another guy to mention is Roe Torrance, who is transferring from the uh, University of Auburn. Uh, He's another guy. He's a pretty big guy, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the six foot four, two hundred pounds, according to the R Lads uh, website. I believe everywhere else has him marked at six three. But Torrance is definitely going to be another very important guy. Uh, you also have uh, Tariq Luckett, Mason Williams, Ed Woods, Elijah Gamage, and Willie Hartz as guys who are also going to get a lot of starting time. The corner position is going to be so so important to find any kind of reliability out there. I think that Keon Markham is probably going to be your number one corner. I don't hate it. I'm just nervous because he is going to be thrust into a, a, a very, very important role compared to what he has seen. I think that Tamarcus Davis and Roe Torrance are going to provide some very good depth. Jordan Clark, super confident in his ability to lock down the nickel position. No pun intended. And then Bethley and Edmonds, I feel very, very good. Very, very good. Excuse me. And their ability to be, I won't say top tier, but to be very, very 
good high upside kind of safeties for you. So definitely going to be banking on all of them. Looking overall at what you have here, I think that I think I'm confident. It's just it feels like a very boomer bust secondary. This could either be a very good secondary that's forcing a lot of turnovers, but it could also be a secondary that's getting roasted and toasted every week. It's going to depend on how quickly your corners can adapt, and it's going to depend on if those safeties coming from non-Power 5 teams can translate their success to Arizona State and the Pac-12 competition. Overall, I'm going to, because of the upside, I'm going with a flat C. If I were more confident, I, I think the upside here is a B plus, but the, the, the downside is probably a D. I won't say a D minus because I do like Bethley and Edmonds. And I do believe in the Markham brothers to, step up into more, uh, not not productive, but more important roles for the team. So going to go ahead and give them a flat C. With that being said, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Locked on Summerless podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, the podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you would like to check us out in a visual platform. But wherever you get your podcast, make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button and turn on notifications so that you get an update every single time we post a new podcast. Go ahead, if you're on Twitter, hit me with that follow at RichieBrads36, and follow the podcast while you're there as well at LO underscore Sun But until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Doubles.